0: We, we are approaching Rosh Hashanah which is, uh, which is a period of time which is uh, yeah it's, it's described in the verse David Hashem is the Rosh Hashanah the verse says that Oyeri, my light is Rosh Hashanah, so for some reason Rosh Hashanah is a day that casts light onto our lives so let's just step back and explore the idea of light light is something that we normally associate with the uh, the physical reality of primarily let's say during the daytime the sun or artificial sources of light in fact there are even sources of light which are not man made and not sun made but they're called bioluminescence, where you have a, a variety of different creatures from those at the deep 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 depths of the sea to the fireflies that frequent the forests of Pennsylvania that they actually have ways of lighting up. Fireflies are like in themselves a fascinating species of, of insect that they during their mating period the males and the females have got lights attached to the bottom of their thorax and they can turn on their lights at will and they communicate the male and the female the male, the male will do like a series of like two lights not only he's the amount of time he switches on his light, but also coordinated with his flight path will show the female that he's looking for a mate but also it will demonstrate by the power and the length of his switching on his light if he's genetically Intact or not, mm-hmm. and then the female will choose a mate accordingly, which is just an interesting aside to the, the fascinating phenomenon of bioluminescence. there's like really freaky things with bioluminescence, like these algae which start to shine. And and so, so, sorry, did I, I steal the? No, go go go. go. Um, so okay, so that's so that's. So that's, so that's light. So li- Light exists. We normally perceive light in, in the physical sensation of, of, of either bioluminescence or artificial light or, or the light cast by the sun. Um, but if you go back to the story of creation, so light was created before the sun. So there's a whole, there's a whole notion of light which has got actually nothing to do with physical light. But let's move backwards. Let's look at what light is and then extrapolate to what real light is with a small introduction. When we look at this world, we look at this world as an analogy. This world is the most unreal thing in existence. Of all reality, if you put your finger and say which part of reality is the least concrete, is the least real, you'd say this table! Not this particular table. But anything I can touch and feel that's weak, that's got no content to it, that's, that's, that's a feeble and fragile stuff. The real reality is way beyond this. I'll give an example. An example we've given many times before, if you recall Chaim. If I say to you, what's more real? The table or the idea of the table, the obvious answer is the obvious answer is Chaim. I'm looking at you Chaim. I beg your pardon Chaim. The, the, the idea of the table because Chaim. because that's where it originated from yeah, that's where it originated from but let's, let's, I mean you said that in a very very poor fashion let's try to make it slightly more elaborate if I look at this table yes, pretty solid right? but the truth is if I would have an axe I could hack it into pieces, put it into fire, it would be destroyed. Gone. The table would be gone. So, it's already there real if you can get rid of it. has an expiry date on it. It doesn't last very long. And even if I wouldn't do anything to this table, pretty much in, in a few years, maybe 10, maybe 20, maybe 30, maybe 40, maybe 50, maybe 100, it's going to be decayed. It's going to be not usable anymore. The idea of the table could be thousands of years old it could be thousands of years old and it exists and you can't break it and you can't burn it you can't hack it to pieces why? because the idea of the table is way more real than the table itself so what is the relationship between the idea of the table and the table the table is a manifestation a concretization idea how do I express the idea of the table in this world this is how but it's just an expression of something much higher. So what is this? This is an analogy to a table. What's the table? The table is the idea. What is this? This is an analogy. If you want to know what the table is, this is what it would look like with it to be have physical form. Makes it easier to access. But this is not a ta- this is not the real table. The real table is the idea. This is a poor substitute. Yes, Alex. But the only reason why we have an idea of a table is because we've experienced the table exactly Perfect. Well, maybe because we're getting we're going to make that table the point is that just before you go into your table making experience the point is that if we wouldn't and I'm going to take that further if we wouldn't have the table we'd never, if we wouldn't have something to clutch onto and you talk to me about the idea of the table I have no idea what you're talking about and this is, solves another problem there's a Rashi which we read not um, last week's parasha but the parasha before in parasha's Kisaitseh you all know the Rashi which when you read it you probably were flummoxed you're probably confused beyond confusion is that not correct? You all remember that Rashi. If you could pass me that Chumash just before you fall asleep. Okay <coughs> Rashi says in Parashas Kiseitze that there's a strange requirement that a person that's liable in the tragic occurrence where a person befalls the calamity of being liable for the death penalty and as a result, he is given the penalty of stoning. The halacha is that after he has been executed, his body, his corpse will be hung up on a tree. Now going into what that means and the details. The halacha, though, is a strange halacha, that you do not, and you cannot leave his body to stay there overnight. You must remove it before the nightfall. And the process says as follows. Um, do not let his body remain for the night on this tree on this wooden beam you shall surely bury him literally speaking let's see how the article translates it for a hanging person is an insult of God generally it's always a curse to God but look what Rashi says Says Rashi Ki klilos elokim It's a Is an insult to God He says the word Klilat Which is from the word Klala Comes from the word Kal The word Kal means Sorry That's "call." The word Kal Light Easy It's making Hashem light It's belittling Him Zilzuloi Shel Having this corpse Hanging there Is a degradation To the king Why? And he explains why. And now tune your ears in, Chaim. Even though you may be slightly slumbering, this is worth listening to. Because it's astonishing. When I say astonishing, I mean it takes us completely, completely off guard. And I'm sure you've you've probably seen this and been as shocked as on your Richter scale of Chiddush, it probably hit the top as you experience internal conceptual earthquake in your inner dimensions of your highly functioning brain, which has been slightly impaired with your... Tiredness that you're experiencing and the Rashi says as follows that man is made in the likeness of Hashem's image ok good so far that's good yeah we're all with that and the Jewish people are his children yes we've heard that, we've heard that expression before yes we've, that's not a difficult thing to yet and nice is an analogy Moshe l'shnei achim This can be compared to two twin brothers. Shem They were mamash identical twins. Echad naaseh One became a king, of echad nitfas l'istius. And another one became ensnared in banditry. He became. I was going to say a crook, but, <laughs> but then I thought no, inappropriate. He's going to be. He became a thief. A ganef. A bandit. As they say in Yiddish. A bandit. Mm-hmm. So, um, he became a bandit. What happened? Venisla. And he was hung, meaning the bandit was hung. Kolar royer. Oisoy, whenever a person would see the person hung, Oimeh, he would say, Hamelech toloy, the king is hanging. Meaning it's a problem, because since let's figure out what the name is since you and God are identical twins so if you have the corpse hanging up, people are say oh my gosh look God's hanging on the tree now I don't know if you guys are okay with that we can just move on if you're okay with that yeah, you're okay that makes sense good let's move on to the next point going back Huh. her huh. sorry, sorry I don't mean to again I don't mean to question I, I apologize to all of you specifically I think Chaim today for allowing you to exercise any kind of part of your cognitive apparatus but for me this is a little bit troubling I find this troubling, I find the fact that we have Rashi who's an authoritative respected Torah giant saying that we look identical to God and the person therefore when he sees a body hanging on the tree will say oh gosh, God's hanging on the tree I find it problematic. You may not find it problematic maybe you're the kind of person that tries to treat problems underneath the carpet not deal with them I'm not! at least when the problems don't affect me <laughs> mm-hmm. so what's going on here? Michael YEPO! MAZE! 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 oh ok, there you go, the what? what? Tell me What is it about? So tell him in the What does it mean Tell him in the Kim He creates an image of God What does it mean? What does it mean? What does, does the Nefesh Ha'im say? The Nefesh Ha'im says You know the Nefesh Ha'im? Not personally Not personally You know the Nefesh Ha'im? Not personally You know the Nefesh Ha'im? Maybe you can tell us What Nefesh Ha'im says That's, the, that's a <coughs> strong possibility I'm going to tell you What the Nefesh Ha'im says Because it looks like None of you know The Nefesh Ha'im says The following thing he says that being created in this elekim, the term Elokim, the many names that God is referred to, He's referred, sometimes it's called Elokim, sometimes it's called Hashem, Hashem, hashem sometimes it's called Shakai, there's many ways. So it could have been Tzelem Hashem. Why is it Tzelem elekim? He explains that the word Elokim means creator, the one that brings into reality the world. Just like, says in Nebuchadnezzar Hashem, Elohim, takes the world, ex nihilo, brings it from a state of non-existence into existence you, by using your actions as a human being can change the nature of the world, you bring things into existence, your utilization of your freedom of choice makes things happen you build and break worlds build, hopefully, break, not hopefully it means you have the power of choice to make things happen in this world now if that's true that doesn't make you look like God. That means there's an analogy. It's a telem. Like the Nevishechim says, it's like a shadow. It's, there's, an, there's a similarity. You can find a common component. Just like the Creator creates, you're a Creator because you can also create. Obviously, the way the Creator creates is different from the way you create. You create from given substance into more given substance, He creates from nothing into something. But nevertheless, you're both Creators. Now, given that definition of Tzilem Elikim, this makes no sense. To say Tzilem Elikim, just throw out Tzilem and akim, makes no difference. So we have to look for a different de- definition in order to understand this Rashi of Tzilem Elikim. I'm going to suggest another definition. And this is perhaps drawn from the Ramchal, the Moshe Chaim He says as follows. Imagine the situation. Imagine there would be a man who would be as blind as a bat. Bats are blind, Alex. Imagine there would be a person who is as blind as a bat and you'd like to describe to him the rainbow you'd say words like there's a whole spectrum of colors indigo is a dark and intense color while, while red is, is, is passionate and, and violet is and yellow is at the end of the day he'll have no notion of what you're talking about and you speak to him about, speak to him about distance and perspective and three-dimensional vision you could, you could hear words but you'll never grasp it very much like an analogy which I'd like to share with you now just as an aside bring it may I? Mm-hmm. thank you you're an art enthusiast saying you are you probably are an art enthusiast yeah, from time to time so you go to a museum Beautiful National Museum, and you see works from the Egyptian period going to the Greeks. You've got all these great Greek sculptures in the contrapasta position, you know what that means. Mm. And then you go on to early medieval art, which is very strongly, of course, religious in its nature. And then you move forward to the realists, and then you go into the Impressionists and the Post Impressionists. You caught Chez for a while. And then you go beyond that to the Cubists, a couple of Picasso's here and there, and to the Expressionists, and you see that scary picture of Edvard Monk of the screen. You know that Mm. picture? Awesome, daunting. And you want to go and speak to someone about the paintings because you don't have full, full knowledge. And there's two people who you could speak to one person is the curator of the museum. Another one is the caretaker. And the curator of this museum is the most knowledgeable man in his field. Not only does he know the history of every painting and every artwork, he knows the context historically, geographically. He understands the background, the materials that were used. So, who would you go to if you wanted to speak about the paintings? You'd go to the curator. Yeah. The maintenance man, who kind of dusts the paintings and makes sure nothing happens. He probably wouldn't be the right person to go to if you want to hear about the paintings. There's one problem: the curator is blind. So who has a better experience on the painting? <coughs> the janitor. The janitor. We have to be careful about being blind curators in life. That's just an aside to so much of our halachic observance. Observance we are blind curators. We know all the information about Torah. What about the experience? Have you experienced the Shemone Yes. Yes. If the great Tanoim took an hour of preparation, an hour to say it, an hour to cool down from it, that means they spent seven seconds on a word. And they were spiritual giants. The this Tfil itself was de- designed by many, including prophets. You can say that you've ex- actually no, you've probably said something about it. Have you experienced the Shabbos? No, you know the details about it. We're blind curators talking about Judaism. But can we really say we've experienced it? Probably, most probably not. That's an aside. Let's go back to our blind man. Blind man, speaking about science it's Baruch So So Now what's the problem with that, Chaim? The problem with that is, what's going to happen when he's going to try to create a connection between him and Hashem? And one of the things that we know about Hashem is a seeing God. He can see from one side of the world to the other. And you've never seen in your life. Will you be able to grasp what it is? Oh no, you will not. So we are given eyes so we can grasp what sight means, so we can understand the Creator. But the eyes we are given are just a small, a small minuscule sense of what sight is all about. What sight is all about, what a real eye can see from one side of the world to the other, can see through walls and deep into hearts. We've got an analogy to an eye. It's this. It's an analogy to an eye, but in a way, it's it's a tzelem and a kim. It's a it's an analogy. It's a, it's a comparable to. We've got ears because otherwise, how could we hear? That how could we understand that Hashem hears? Hashem hears everything. He has a whisper. He has a feeling. He has, so we can, and relate to it because we've got ears. So our body, the way our body is built is a manifestation in a physical form of the conceptual greatness of the Creator. That's called call it al-Akim. Not only our body, but our emotions as well. Our emotions is, let's say a person wouldn't have a midah of chesed, you would have no sense of kindness. None. And you heard about someone that gave away his huge amount of money to a worthy cause. You'd say, that guy's insane. What a waste of money. If you're into giving, you'll say, whoa, that's amazing. If we wouldn't have the same internal structure, the same character traits as Hashem, we wouldn't be able to relate to Hashem's deeds. If we didn't have the same physical features as it were of Hashem, we wouldn't be able to relate to Hashem's interaction with ourselves and with the world. So Tzadim means both in our bodily structure and our emotional composition, we carry the Creator, as it were, in miniature form, which allows us insight and understanding of the creator himself which means as follows this is a fascinating point which is also an aside imagine a person doesn't work on his midot imagine if he's uncaring and cruel can he ever understand God? no, you'll think God's mad because God is kind imagine if a person is easy, finds it easy to lie can understand the beauty of truth no, you'll think it's crazy why should you be honest? it's ridiculous so the only way we can truly connect to Hashem is by self-refinement and perfection. And the deeper we find the greatness of our own selves, the more we can experience what the Creator is. And the more limited we are in our capacity to give, in our capacity to be upright, in our capacity to be kind, thoughtful, sensitive, empathetic, the more we are limited in our experience what the Creator is. And the deeper the rift will be in our relationship with Him. Hi. You okay with that? Yeah. Good. Okay, so now let's go back to our Tilem al Akim. Silim means as follows That since man is fashioned in a way that not only I use two examples of eyes and ears, but in every aspect. And if you study the mystical works, they'll explain to you every joint of every bone of every part of your physical structure corresponds. To another aspect of the word of Hashem. When a person has a deep realization of this and he sees a body strung up on a tree it's an inconceivable desecration of the name of Hashem because you have as it were a miniature of the Creator which is destroyed which is disdained and that's why they're twins. They both have the same things. Of course they're not twins in the ultimate sense but they're twins in a we'll speak a lot more about the Rashi but that's not our goal our goal is to try to understand what Rosh Hashanah is all about it was just an aside so just like in terms of our physical form everything we have is an analogy to the real thing so the light that we experience is an analogy to the real light what's the real light? just like what the light does to us is it awakens it brings to our reach reality the real light makes things real so Rosh Hashanah is meant to make things real now, ironically, what the real light in the physical sense can often do is blacken the spiritual light. And sometimes when a person sees with his naked eye, he lands up not using his real eye to see. And these are the words of Shlomo HaMelech, Solomon the King, who says, "Chacham, a wise man, Einov Beroshoi." his eyes are in his head. What would you have thought? He would have thought his eyes are in his elbows. You don't have to be extremely wise to locate the positioning of your binocular visual perspective in the upper part of your facial features. So what's the what? Yeah, yeah. Chachamim are It's a big Answer: When the Shem says your eyes are in your head, he doesn't mean your eyes are in your head means your eyes are in your head. Toi tofoiz Your tefillin are here. Where's your head? Where's, where are your eyes? Here. Yeah, through your eyes are. How do you have to see? You have to see through your head. Through your seichel. Through your understanding. Through your wisdom. Not through these eyes. These eyes teach you that reality is on the surface. These eyes teach you the reality is beneath the surface. So rosh hashanah is light what does it do it gives you a new vision of the world a new vision of the world what does that vision look like many of you have probably had experience if you've ever gone into shul on rosh hashanah and it's extremely extremely long and boring <laughs> i bring a, a, a machzor from rosh hashanah to illustrate this point if you look at the rosh hashanah machzor, and many people do this um, you look for something so you can say all your prayers which are like really relevant to you, like stuff about ME and you go through the max, and you start in the beginning and you start to page through now of course we page through the max many times during the services most of the time we try to go like this and figure out, okay, mm-hmm, if there's been 16 pages by now and then you like, figure out how many pages have to come and then you like, estimate the time, the conclusion of the service and you think, oh my gosh that's 16 hours <laughs> this is interminable this is terrible and then you, like you look for small writing hoping they can save you maybe they'll skip those parts anything in gray that we can overlook La when you open up the Roanaso and you start reading it there's poha no place for me you lucky in Tashlich there's a little stickle no be money it's so boring isn't it I mean it's all about God and the world. I mean, hello! I want Panosah! I want health! I want, you know, children and Gishmachazachan! So why is Rosh Hashanah light? That's the point. If you read through Rosh Hashanah and you're bored, it means you're still in the You're still, still, still in the darkness. Whoa, 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 still. Because it's meant to be light. What's Pshat light? Why is there light? Rosh Hashanah? is a day that the world was recreated and is going to be recreated meaning starting from scratch right now there's maintenance the electricity is surging through the system but no one's pulling out the plug and thinking ok should we just should we plug it in again Rosh Hashanah is the day that the world is created which means as follows let's go back to the beginning the world was created for a reason what was the reason for the creation of the world? What was the reason for the creation of the world? Whatever that reason was, if the answer to the question is the world as it stands, is it fulfilling its purpose? If the answer would be no, so then perhaps the conclusion would be like, well, we're not going to make it again then. So if the world is recreated, the question is going to be asked globally is is this world fulfilling its purpose? And the question that's going to be asked individually is this person fulfilling his purpose? So there's a world and there's a person. And the decision to continue with this it's like this gigantic job interview in this guy. I imagine that any person who's running a responsible company, we can consult people that have actually worked. I've never done that. But um it's not at all. Really so, if you've if you got a company, I would imagine that, like, you know, if you had a company and the guys, you've like, got lots of people under you. Mm-hmm. Do you, like, just, like, let everything just run, like, you, know, you probably, like, have some type of supervision. Mm-hmm. End of the year, you're, like, kind of do, like, look through, like, performance, see a bit of, like, get some KPIs going there. Yes? You look at the KPI. Your KPIs. Yeah. And you see, like, you know, and, and then you see this guy, there's one guy in the office that you actually realize that this guy has done zero for you. You look through and you think, hmm, the chances are he ain't getting rehired. You go and say, listen, you know, I like you a lot. You've added a lot. And, uh, however, even though you've added a lot, I feel that if you go, nothing would be subtracted. <laughs> All right? In other words, you go through it and you say, okay, who's like actually contributing to this business? I want to you know who's, who's like giving something, who's adding value. So that's a good phrase. And the guy's not adding value, so then you say, listen, you know, this is not a, this is not a home for bored people. This is a business that we've got to run over here. And if you're not contributing to the business, so then, you know, it's uh, lovely having you. But shalom. Nachon. Mm-hmm. So Hashem's got this big business. It's called running the world and He's got like stuff that He wants to do with it. Hashem's got a vision for the world. He's got a vision for the world. He wants something to happen. How do you know what that vision is? It says it in the book. Huh? If you read through Shimon Esra, it's the vision. Shem presents through with the vision. So now, this is the kind of, the, the, this is the Rachmim in the din of Rosh Hashanah. Shem says, here is my vision. So the question is, well, okay, how do you respond to that? So now let's say you're going, let's say, you know, the CEO calls you and he says, listen, I'm looking at your performance last year and it's Nish uh, ay Ayayay. It's a Jewish of saying, it's not optimal. Again, if we're using common conversation, it's not an so IAI. Means not optimal. Good. So you say, listen, your, your performance hasn't been great, and the guy looks in your eye and he says, "100 percent. I realized 100 percent." But I'm telling you here and now that when I realized what was going on, and I realized that I've been not appropriate in my behaviour, but I'll tell you one thing, Mr. CEO. When I think about what this company has done in the last year in terms of how much value it's added to the world, I want to be a part of that. Forget about salary, forget about promotion. This is a company that I want to be associated with. I am aligned to it 100%. This is where I want to be. And I've got certain strengths and abilities, and I want them to act in contributing to the performance, you know, let's say the companies something really productive like getting people tax rebates from stuff no, I'm these are the, 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 the companies that are like out there restructuring uh, a rural area and putting in putting in like hospitals and doing good stuff that's like, what I want help me I've got the talent I'm a fantastic but I want to be a part of that very different from the guy that says look I, you know, I realize that I haven't been good and I realize that my job's in jeopardy so I don't want to lose my job so I'll try hard Okay, you'll try hard. Do you believe in the company? No, but I want my salary. I don't lose my job. So says, okay. Listen, you know, or the yeah or the name. But when you see the guy that says, I want what the company wants, then you say this is the guy I want on my team. Because if he really means it with sincerity, and the CEO has got enough insight to know if he's faking it or if he's really saying it, so then he's the guy that you want on your team. Because he'll like, he'll go over and above. He's not in it for the cash. When you're hiring a worker. Don't hire someone that's, like, obsessed with salary. If that's the first thing that he raises, beware. You want someone that says, I love this job. I believe in what the company has to offer. I want to be a part of this. So, that's the first step in understanding why our restaurant is light. Hopefully we'll have a chance to explore further. Thank you for your rapt attention.